0: We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthcare Plan of Georgia Inc.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Football Insomnia podcast, I'm your host Colin Watt, and today I am delighted to be joined by a fellow state-of-minder, you may know her as the host of the Soccer Supernova podcast, you may have seen her on a Celtic state of mind, um, but if you haven't seen her for the first time, welcome to the podcast, Amy Canavan. Amy, how are you doing?
2: Thanks for having me Colin, I'm doing okay, yeah, it's a bit earlier than I usually see you, so I'm a wee bit groggy. Um, I really am not a morning person, but um, yeah, for you, fine. I'll get up that bit earlier. Sort of ruined my routine. I, I've said to you before. I like doing, um, I like getting up, having my cup of tea, and then um, doing my makeup and all that jazz while watching Insomniac. So, um, I am. You've really like ruined my routine. So, like I say, if Axon's bad, <laughs> they will blame you. We really do. I've not got my 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 flow.
1: As you say, they're a regular watcher of the podcast, which is, is nice to see. And there's plenty of people that, that watch it. Um, the last couple of shows with Anthony Joseph and with Alison Conroy have done really great numbers. And the trend will continue today with yourself on the show. So it's good to have you on. Um, we will be speaking about what went wrong at Barcelona. So much has happened over the last week there. Um, so many intricate things, things that we probably can't even discuss because they're going into legal discussions. But we'll try and cover as much as we can. Um, It's almost like the Holyrood Inquiry going on over in Spain as well. We'll also be taking a look back at a topic we discussed last week, which was the Scottish Lower Leagues. It now seems as though the leagues have been given the go-ahead to go, but do the teams want to play? This is what it's coming down to. It all comes back to money, interestingly, so does Barcelona. We'll be looking at Amy's dream football dinner party, seeing who she would have over, and she just told me before we came on air that we should be expecting a very interesting selection in the food department. She's had this well thought out, so let's see how that goes. Um, And we'll also take a look at Amy's career in journalism so far, what she inspires to be going forward, and some of the stories that she's picked up working at Bonnie Rig Rose. Um, So again, a big welcome to everyone who's watching us. We were delighted last week to be the show that made us get through 10,000 subscribers on A State of Mind YouTube. Delighted to bring that um, up on air last week. So please continue if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the channel, click on the bell for notifications. We're also live on Twitter and on Facebook. Get your comments in and if you've got any questions for Amy, we'll bring them up later on in the show. Before we start today though, I do want to kind of just pass my condolences from everyone here at A State of Mind to the family of Ian St John, who sadly passed away on Monday night at the age of 82. Uh, a pioneer, it has to be said, in terms of media with um, himself and Gravesley. A fantastic footballer, not only um, south of the border, but also for Motherwell and someone who gave us all when appearing for his country. It was a real shame to see um, that he'd passed away. Um, Amy, obviously it was before our time, but is there any anything you know of um, the Saint himself?
2: Like I say, it all sort of seems um it's sort of to do with the dinner party as well. It all sort of stems, stems back to my dad. My dad's a big Liverpool fan, um. So you yeah, have heard the the stories and that from him. Even it's even slightly before his time, um. In the sense that when he was getting into Liverpool, but you know, like you say, it's, it's tremendously sad and what a legacy left at Liverpool and like you see up here as well at Motherwell. Um, his uh, transfer pretty much since um gives the stand at Motherwell. It pays for the stand almost. So. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, And like you said, done a lot for the country as well.
1: And Jungle Lion just joining us here saying, just on my break and work, it was nice for you to to drop in, but typical Scotland, only 21 caps for Ian St John. And that that just shows you the way the kind of Scotland team was picked back in the day that someone of his talent only had 21 caps. Um, It's the same Jimmy Johnson, only having a handful of caps as well. We just didn't seem to, get the talented players on the park and yet we were still so successful as a country it just shows that how far the standards dropped over the last 20-30 years
2: Yeah absolutely it's really odd when you look back over the years um, again you sort of hear it all from my dad now I understand like at the time we had um, the great pairing, the Aberdeen pair up uh, in centre half but you look at Alan Hanson he's winning European Cups left and centre with Liverpool and how many Scotland caps has he got then he, he's sort of one of those ones as well that like if he was English he'd be, be hitting about 100 caps, I absolutely love them down there so yeah there's a lot of players over the years that you just like 20 caps like you say Jimmy Johnson as well it's um, it's just a deep rooted problem somewhere in, in the Scotland setup.
1: Yeah so obviously um, everyone here at State of Mind passes their, their condolences on to the Saints family and um, we know it must be horrible what you're going through right now so all the best to them I also want to bring up um, a, a quick story just before we go into the main talking points. And it's something which I'm not sure a lot of people will know about. But Scotland and Fulham midfielder Kevin Macdonald is about to go under um, surgery to get a new kidney. Um, he's been playing football for the last 12 years with chronic kidney disease. Um, and in that time has shown um, just what's possible. Um, he's went on and made five appearances for Scotland. He's got promotion into the Premier League. He was playing some of the best football of his career um, and he will be going under the the knife next month um, and he hopes to get back to football. Perhaps he'll maybe even make his way back to his famous Dundee. It's a fantastic story and it just shows what can be done if you believe in yourself Amy. doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it really is. Um, Kevin mcdonalds he's one of those ones a few years ago. Like you said, when Fulham really really running it in the championship and people were like, yeah, get him in the side. This was before John McGinn and Julie really hit the international scene, like you say Kev McDonald's 32, so he's just a little bit ahead of that. But um I think he was getting touted to break in um in replace like your know, James Morrison's and Robert Snodgrass, and sort of shift him out the way and he was part of that, that generation that never really came for Scotland, that turnover that was needed, but instead the slog sort of continued. Um but yeah, it's remarkable. You know, I'm talking, he's just so, I'm not blasé, but he's just really quite, he's, he's realistic in the sense that, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got this, that, yeah, I've managed to keep playing, but now is the time that, that something needs to be done sort of thing. Um, like you though, but he's obviously film are or, or treating them really well. Um, he's doing some coaching with under-23s as well as still, still training a few times a week, still getting to go with the match day squad and, um, on game day. So, yeah, it's um, like you say, it's a remarkable story, and you just got to wish him all the best because he sort of does. generally does come across just one of those good guys. You never really hear um, a lot of bad things about him. Um, alongside Tom Kearney as well, like I say, it was that partnership that really thought could have broke into the Scotland squad, but just yeah. never really did. Um, Kearney's in the same sort of boat there, so. Yeah, and
1: it's a, it's a massive credit to Tony Cann and the whole Cann family at uh, Fulham. Also, Tony Khan is a fantastic person to look up if you'd see all of his business interests running um, a a national football team in the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He owns his own professional wrestling company and he also owns Fulham Football Club, where he gets the time to to sleep. He's probably an insomniac as well. Um, It's incredible what he goes through. But yeah, best wishes on behalf of everyone here at State of Mind to Kevin. um, And we hope that we see you back in the blue of Scotland very soon. So um, all the best for that. But moving on now to our our main topic today, and it's what you can see on the bar of the main screen. Where did it all go wrong at FC Barcelona? Now, (laughs) there's already been a couple of points brought up, and Mark McGonagall brings this one up. Genie Wyandham, that's where it all went wrong. A Champions League final and likely trophy really thrown away. Even Messi coming out and saying it took players a long time to go over that defeat. And I think on the park, that's something that you can see. I mean, they're, they're kind of slipping away from the realms of being... Um, the biggest team in Spain, but it was always between themselves and Real Madrid. But off the park is a complete different story. Off the park, there's there's, there's rumours that they could be going bust. They could cease to become a football club, which for someone like Barcelona just seems completely unthinkable. And it was only this week that former um, chairman, I'm sorry, president of Barcelona, Joseph Maria Batamu, I probably muttered that saying, um was arrested along with three other members of the board, and it all comes round to a potential contract with PR company i3 Ventures to do online social media work at the club. Now, if anyone hasn't heard the story, I'll quickly go through it. Um, Basically, some of the work involved painting a more positive image of the president, um, whilst at the same time slandering the image of some of the current players, including Messi and Piquet, and formerly also Xavi as well. Now, that doesn't seem to be completely um, corrupt to an extent, but it does get worse. Allegedly, I3 were getting paid six times the going rate to do this work, Um, and they were also involved in decisions in the boardroom level, which they should never have been involved in. Because of this and fans' protest, the president, Bartomeu, resigned in October 2020 following fan protests, and Defender and Captain Gerard Piquet actually called him out, on this, and he said that basically he didn't know what was going on, uh, which has now turned out to be a lie, they're now under investigation by the Spanish police they're in serious, serious amounts of debt they they could be going bust and it just looks as if it's a a soap that's going on behind the scenes, it's like EastEnders, but the Spanish person at um, (laughs) Barcelona where do you start Amy? this is uh, is uh, incredible I
2: don't it is a really difficult one where to start like you say a lot of it is going in legal sense now so you really um you've got to be careful what you say. But um where it's just like you see the, the bankruptcy thing like, that sorta of, has been tiptoeing around. There's been there's been speculation out for a little while. But again, that just is because you're looking at like the transfer business and all those claims are always sort of coming about financial fair play. I don't think they've actually ever been questioned for that, but I could be wrong. Um, but I think somebody said there wage bills certainly don't help but Nier does spend a ridiculous amounts of money on Dembele um, Coutinho Griezmann I mean they, this is massive massive money and yeah obviously they've got thing, um, cash back for Neymar but it's um, it's just a slippery slope over there and it's one that is just you really just want to avoid at all costs on the pitch like, like you say that's a whole different a whole different ball game um, everything just sort of seems to be catapulting together, so i don't know what you think about it but um like i say the intricacies and all that that's um sort of goes above my head i'm just i just sit there and go like you say it's, it's going to that legal stage now and you just you want to sort of stay out of it a little bit
1: i, I just find it incredible that a club with the stature of barcelona can have this going on in the background um and it's it's not as if it's like something that's just happened and it's now coming to light. This has been going on for the past four or five years, with yeah. what we're seeing in the, the reports. And it has forced certain players out of the club, which just shows you that maybe the financial pressures are getting to the point where they do have to start trying to move this generation of talent on. But they're trying to do it in the light that oh, well, it wasn't our fault. We did everything we could to keep them at the club, but the players wanted to move on. Um, and you could see that with Messi this summer when his contract was up. I mean, suddenly when they found out they were getting absolutely nothing for him, it was a case of, oh, no, 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 we, we need to keep him. We're going to give him a new deal. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Which is completely understandable because, OK, Messi's on something like £50 million pounds a year, but he brings back more than that and shut sales and sponsorships and image rights and things like that. So it's understandable you want to keep someone that is a generational talent, like Messi, at the club. But they, they can't keep going on in the way they're going. Um, and Mr Briggs brings up a great point here, um, saying their academy has deteriorated. Barca's best players in the last 15 years or so came through the academy, and they have a poor success rate when it comes to signings. I mean, Braithwaite is their number nine. Now, Braithwaite is... That was a an, an incredible signing. Not an incredible in the fact of he's very good, it was incredible in the fact of he's actually moving to Barcelona this is someone who failed I believe at Middlesbrough um, Had I think one good season in La Liga wasn't even getting a fantastic goal return and then suddenly when all the players are injured, Barca are able to go around the the La Liga rules to sign someone like Braithwaite it's it's unbelievable Um, they've went through uh, I don't know how many managers have went through in the last four or five years as well now no, you've got some. That's a that massive
2: factor. Yeah. Um like you say, so there's a lot of on the pitch issues, but um it sort of that that um that bridge is the manager. Um I don't think Barcelona have really been Barcelona, probably since like your Enrique days. Um mm-hmm. there's like you say the Kuman ones just I p I don't think anyone I think it's an odd one at the time, obviously like leaving the Dutch um Position and it was just everything around around that. Sorry, it was just it was just odd in the sense that club wise, what has Ronald Koeman actually done? Um, I think maybe a trophy or so at Ajax, but it was a total and utter disaster at, at everything. now you look at Ancelotti and everything are sort of riding high, and it's the best Everton side I've seen in a few years. Um, and Koeman, it just yeah, he's a name, and like you say, player wise, absolutely tremendous, but managerial wise. It's not really, he's not got the best reputation behind him. So getting that gig was sort of um, of surprising, sorry. Like you see, you look at the last few over the years, um, Valvardi and what was the other guy's name? Began with an S.
1: I know, I know, I'm honest, I've
2: not got... Ciento, the ciento, ciento. Yeah.
1: They had um, a lot of managers from the Spanish league that just weren't yeah. up to the, the level to manage them.
2: Yeah, industry. exactly, they weren't up to the They're level. And level. Yeah. You're never really going to, you're not going to hit the heights of Pep Guardiola again. But then, really though, before Barcelona, Pep Guardiola was was just Pep Guardiola, was, again, as the player. But as a manager, he hadn't really proved himself. So, it's not really a big thing for Barcelona to come in and, you know, get a... Now they're never going to get Mourinho or Ancelotti after Real Madrid, but it's not they don't go for the names. They sort of go for that. We'll build you up. What the potentials there or it's ex-player sort of thing. So that's not really the difference. But um, yeah, I think it's been a good few years on the pitch that you've seen this sort of downfall. But like you say, upstairs it's just a whole different ballgame.
1: I mean, just looking at some of the figures that's came out in their recent reports. They made a loss of about 98 million euros before tax, I believe. (laughs) 1.1 billion billion pounds in debt. Of that, the bank that has loaned them the money wants almost a quarter of it back in June. Barcelona also pay their wages in six-month installments. So you get paid in June and you get paid in December. That payment comes up in June. I was just reading as well that they also owe over hundred and seventy-four million pounds in outstanding transfer fees, forty-eight million pounds to Ajax for De Jong, thirty-five and a half million pounds to Liverpool for Coutinho, and twelve million pounds to Gremio for Arthur Mello, a player that actually doesn't even, uh, sorry, isn't actually at Barcelona anymore. Someone that has now moved on to Juventus as part mm-hmm. of the deal to bring. Um, oh, I totally forgot the player that they brought in um, as part of the swap deal there. But it's just unbelievable where all this money comes from. Um, £50 million in wages to Messi, £174 million in transfer fees. Two 200- hundred. This
0: week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
1: £136 million owed to the bank. I, I think there's a serious risk here that Barcelona could be another team that ends up going into administration and then potentially liquidation because... Who's got that kind of money right now that can bail a team like that out?
2: Sounds like monopoly money, doesn't it? It's sort of like, you know, uh, this is so my age, but you not know, like that money you used to, that pretend money you used to get from the early learning centre. It's that sort of stuff. Um, this isn't real money. These are just, this is crazy figures. Um, and like you say, justif- like can you justify it? No, not really. Messi, I, I'm not I'm not justifying the money that Messi's on, but you sort of see the lure there and the, the need to keep Messi. You really do. And, um, more than anything to keep the fans on site, um because again that's just another disaster in itself you talk about the disconnect between Celtic and the fans <laughs> you look over in Catalonia and it's not that much better um so I but the I, and I think to be honest I think the Dembele one's an odd one I went to um for my team that I got uh, me and my dad went to Barcelona for for my, for my birthday that's what I got as a present and we went to Barcelona v Liganes, and Dembele was absolutely unreal Messi started on the bench so I was already in tears I'm like oh my god what's the point of being here um not quite because that makes me sound ungrateful but um it was still a great day but I basically <laughs> came on and he did score so everything was all right but um I Dembele totally and utterly ripped apart and I remember like me and my dad were standing and we are like how is this guy getting all the hate um he so we still got this is two years ago past January um a year, ago, a year ago past no two years ago past January um, and obviously injuries are a massive thing for Dembele again and it was sort of like a panic deal I think, um, I think there was probably I don't know if Hazard or somebody came in at Real but there was somebody obviously came in at Real or and they needed Luka Jovic or something and it was like oh right we need to we need to make a sign and we need to make a present sort of thing Um but the, his qualities really are there. Honestly, it was absolutely outstanding. He did go off injured, obviously, I think after about an hour, or 70 minutes, um, if he even made it to that. And he was probably out for another six to, six to eight weeks. Um, but you look at, so Dembele, I generally don't actually, again, I'm not, it's hard to actually watch the league nowadays. Um, like you say, TV rights, commercial rights, all of that jazz. It's, it's not like it used to be, um, used to quite enjoy it. But, he sort of sort of looked like, Yeah, I can see him playing for Barcelona. But then you look at like the Antoine Griezmann deal. Now that was total and utter panic in the sense that if we don't sign him now, we're not gonna be like it was just the hate that would get to Barcelona because somebody else would swoop him up or Atletico would sign him on that ridiculous deal. Like remember that um remember the um the video that, that Griezmann released sort of saying that um Oh, I'm saying at Atletico, but I'm saying for Barca. Like so, all of that, like it was just, it was just total and utter PR stunt. Um, but Griezmann just doesn't fit the system. he, he quite simply doesn't. So there's just the there's just, there's not a lot of cohesion at Barcelona on the pitch. Upstairs manager, it's just a total and utter disaster. there it really is.
1: I don't think Barcelona have ever hit the heights of having um the forward line of MSN, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. Mm. And for as much as I think. Most people kind of have a strong dislike for Neymar. It is undoubted what his talents are on the park. He is a fantastic footballer, and that partnership with the three of them up front was it was frightening. They, that was some of the best football in the world at that point. And um, was just those three up front. Now you look at it as you say, Griezmann, Messi, um, the the players that are coming through at the minute. You've got guys like Fatih, um me Pedri. Jay- they need the players coming through um, to sell them on, but they're not selling them on. You take a look at some of the players that have came through the academy since Xavi and Iniesta. Um, QK they had to get back from Manchester United. Uh, guys like Boyan, who was tipped to be this fantastic, outstanding player. The next Messi ends up at Stoke. I actually don't know where he is now, but he he didn't make it to the level that they were looking to. Uh, Pedro, guys like that, just never quite made it to that level Um, and Mr Briggs is right you have to look at the academy and the money that you're putting into it to get the investment back but they're not, a lot of these players left on free transfers, a lot of them left for next to nothing Um, and this is why they find themselves in the financial position that they're in because they continue to overpay for guys like Antoine Griezmann like uh, Usman Dembele uh, and it's just not paying off for them. They're not winning the trophies. They're now probably the third force in Spanish football behind Real Madrid and Atletico. They're in serious, serious trouble. Well, we've
2: not I even mentioned this, sorry. The, and the biggest reason is that like we've not even mentioned the absolute disaster he letting Suarez go to Atletico for free. Like that is the biggest. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> What great timing! That um, we have li've literally not even discussed that. That is shambolic. That has got to go down as one of the biggest disasters in in football. Like it's just the silliest and silliest. is sort of the only word I can come up with. Like there is just no logic behind that. Um, like you see, not only did that cause such heat between Messi because of the way that. Messi, obviously, that that's his pal, that's his be bestie, the, the way they let him just sort of out the back door, not really thanking anyone for, uh, not really thanking Suarez uh, for what he'd done. Like, he was sort of like he wasn't leaving as a club legend, and that was obviously the whole point that Messi was making. Like, look what this guy has done to you, for you, for me, for our club. And you're just letting him go to one of the, one of the rivals. Because, um, again, he even, like, obviously Zidane came back in and, Sort of rejuvenated Real, but Real are, are are not the force that they were five six years ago. They're simply not there. They're they're not really neither of them are. So Atletico have quietly always sort of been there, um, and nobody. Uh, it was maybe going to go one of two ways between Suarez and Simeone. They were either going to literally be at loggerheads, um, two mad men, or they were just. It was just sort of going to work out, and obviously it has because Suarez Simeone sort of sees himself in Suarez. That's obvious. I don't yeah. know who's I don't know who's the less mad to be honest. One bites, one fights. <laughs> um so but it's just going so well at Athletico Olympia Felix, um there you go. de have has only made maybe one appearance or something like that since he yeah. since he signed. Yeah. Since um, Nova, yeah. I don't to be honest with Dembele, I don't know if that's actually the best deal for him and if, and with Suarez still there, I don't know if there's maybe something going on behind the scenes that Suarez won't be there next year, but to me he looks pretty happy. Um, but that's an absolute disaster that they just let Swarys go just like that. Like, I remember um, just a few weeks ago, there was a chat at uh, uni, um, probably on Energy Sport, the Twitter, check it out. I do have to plug it because the boys are going mental at me that I'm not plugged that enough on my show. Um, I'll talk about them later. But we were having a discussion. I think I said Shane Duffy was the silliest transfer of the summer. Um, in the way that it just never turned out or the worst transfer of the summer just because it didn't work Mm -hmm. out. And they went, you're actually an idiot. Like The worst transfer of Suarez in the sense that it just sort of went so under the radar and nothing really, like, why? how is anybody thinking, yeah, that works, let let them go like that? It's an absolute joke.
1: But then it, it just completely sums up the way that Barcelona have been run over the last couple of years. Um, and then Messi's going to leave this summer on a free transfer as well so they've never ever capitalised on when they've been at that point of this is the maximum value we're going to get for someone they've just let it go and this is the scenario they now find themselves in Um, and Barcelona's um, they're they're kind of famous for their saying Messi can club more than a club Well, this season After what happens, once the the money starts to to be coming to the point where they have to pay it, when the banks are knocking on their door, when the the sponsors are looking for their money, they could be club no mass, club no more. And that'll be interesting to see how that goes um, in the summer. What do you think? Could we see the end of Barcelona as we know it this summer? Or will someone come and bail them out?
2: To be honest, I think we have, and we've just not really quite noticed it. Um, I think I'm quite like I think we've said this before, in the sense that like I'm quite quite the romantic, and I'd like Javi to come back and save everything. And but I think I think that's sort of the only way that that connection could be made, getting the fans back on side and all of that jazz. Um, is he ready to manage Barcelona? That is the that is the the deciding factor. I think having Xavi come back could be massive and keep keeping messy as well. I think that's sort of the the linchpin or the only real connection that could still be um, that could save could save this Barcelona side. But I think in the last, do you know what I mean? The Barcelona that that you and I grew up with would not have seen them lose eight two to Barcelona eh, to, to Bayern Munich. Sorry. No. I mean that? That's crazy. I th- that's when all the, the demise started, and the Roma game. And I'm not even gonna the Liverpool game. I think that was that. I wasn't even like defensive issues from Barcelona. That was more just attackers didn't really turn up. But Liverpool were absolutely extraordinary. And sometimes you just got to tip your cap to, to the other side. And I would give that one to Liverpool. I really would. But Roma and and Bayern Munich eight two. Like say, this is Barcelona here. Like I remember just sitting there and laughing. And everybody was the same. Laughing, but also I think the laughing was trying to kind of hide the sort of disappointment and the and I'm like, whoa, what are we witnessing here? This isn't this isn't the, the script.
1: And it's something that we could see repeated. They're already 4 1 down to PSG in the last uh, 16 <laughs> of the Champions League. It could happen again. I think they play Sevilla tomorrow night in the Copa del Rey yeah. final, already 2-0 down, five points behind in the league, having played a game more. This summer is pivotal to the survival, I think, of, of Barcelona. This will either be Barcelona's reborn, the, the rebirth of Barcelona, and they will once again become mess and club, or I think the shutters will be coming down and it'll be club no mass. And something certainly worth keeping an eye on um, in the summer. Get your points as well as the presidential department.
2: elections. It's the elections, oh. isn't it? Oh,
1: Next there's, week? There's so yeah, and... Um, it's a fan-owned club, so where's the investment going to come from? It's, oh, what there's so much. We could speak about Barcelona for the whole hour, just with how how much of a shambles they've been on and off the park this season, but we do have other points to discuss. But if you have any comments on what we've mentioned on Barcelona, do get involved in the chat. Um, a point I want to bring up is what I spoke to Alison Conroy about last week, and it's the return of the, the lower leagues in Scotland. Um, now, You've actually got a vested interest in this, um, doing some work for Lowland League side Bonnie regros, And we're going to touch on that shortly because they were not even put up for consideration um, when Nicola Sturgeon made the announcement yesterday. Was it yesterday the day before that the, the leagues would be coming back, the Scottish Cup would be back? Um, and again, big kudos to someone that's been on this podcast before, Ewan Robertson, who broke the news in the Daily Record last night that the Scottish Cup is due to return with the second round being played on the 23rd of March. Now, there's still a lot of teams in that second round that are in the Highland League, that are in League 1 and in League 2. But I also read this morning that the teams in League 1 and League 2 now want their season to be classed as null and void because they can't afford the testing. Now, this just seems like a complete... It seems like a shambles to me that they've, they've now went... And they've put all this effort about getting the the teams back and getting them back playing. Now they don't want to. So what was the point in the first place?
2: Right, so it's mass communication issues. Um, What a shock from the SFA. Um, It really is. I didn't know that this morning, like I say, I'm not a morning person, so I have not read anything this morning. So I I had no idea that they don't want to pay for um, testing because they can't afford it or whatever. I think the weirdest thing, like trying to break it down, there's just weird, like I say, it's communication issues. Yesterday, when it came out and I read it, um, the testing would take place on a Thursday. Is that right? For League One and Mm -hmm. League Two. Right? Yep. What's the point in that? These guys are part most majority of them are part time, bar maybe part of thistle, but I think I don't even know if they're maybe being part time now. I'll but majority the Okay, but well, yeah, I think that right, yeah. But the majority of them will be um part time. So these guys could get tested on the Thursday, go to work on the Friday, catch it. Do I mean, like these things could happen. So even that, that had not really been thought through. So that's a red flag already because you're thinking right, they've really not thought this through. if, if clubs are coming out this morning and saying we want their season null and void. Um, have they really sort of been consulted on it that there was going to, like there was the potential? Is it just this if they have now decided that they just took the assumption that of course these guys will want to come back? There's just severe lack of communication. Um, like you see, I think everyone yesterday including myself you see that announcement and I thought Bonner and I go back up and running I really did and then um, I think our club treasurer was like well, hold your horses guys they've not actually mentioned us um, and again it's just such a lack of communication and now like Put out. I don't I'm not speaking on path of honour grows I'm really not um because to be honest we've actually not had that much discussion about it and because we have no idea where we stand and um, what's the point in talking about something if it's not going to happen the null and void there's just so much going on um so like I say I've we've heard nothing not, um I think there was a meeting last night League clubs I think could be wrong but I think there was um just to see like where are we going? No idea on results about that. But it's just like I say, what a shock. Poor communication from the SFA.
1: And it looks as if that if these teams do not agree to come back and play in League 1 and League 2, they'll be asked to step aside from the Scottish Cup. They'll be given the prize money, which they're entitled to, but they'll be asked to step aside from the League Cup. Then there's, you've got to the point of, well, in the Championship, is there any point in continuing for the relegation thing? Is all the teams safe? Is it only going to be someone that's going up into to the Premiership? It, it causes so many ripples through the pyramid system in Scottish football. Also to the point of, well, you guys in the Lowland League, you've now played 13 games this season, but well, most of you have. In the Highland League, they've only played three. So how can you justify a team coming up or down? But then you've got teams like yourselves, like Kelty, like Broader Rangers, who will be saying, well... That's two years in a row now that we've been denied the opportunity to progress through the pyramid system in Scottish football. Completely understandable considering the circumstances. But if football's been played, it has to kind of have some means and an ending to it. This just seems to be like, oh, well, these are a, a couple of seasons where we're just going to brush over and forget about it.
2: Absolutely, like you see, there's, um, there's moments in this season that sort like an Adam just highlighting this season. So we got a, a last minute winner against East Cumbreide, and it, it could result in nothing. That's massive in our in our bid for promotion um, to win the league, and then obviously to, to try and gain promotion. Um, like you say, this pyramid system, it's just it's not really proven that successful. Like you say over the last two years, the league gets cut. Um, we still have games in hand over, over Kelty, um, Kelty gets one league. But like you say, there's just no case for, for promotion or relegation. Like you look at Brecon. Now I'm not I am just highlighting Brecon, but they're a disaster. They should not still be in the SPFL. It's um it's a joke. I was speaking to Mark Wilson just a few weeks ago and they sort of vouches for it. They are just not, they're not a well run club. The, the the football that they play is not of that level. And you look you take a glimpse into the and I'm including the Highland League, but you look at the Lowland League. Um, ourselves, Kelly Hearts, East Cobride, BSC Glasgow, these sort of guys really touting for um <laughs> touting for playing better football than half of that league too. Um yeah. like you say, where, where do we go for now? It's not one of those ones as well, like, I think there's a comment there. Surely the clubs need to be in a bubble. That cannot happen. Like say, these guys are part time. It's not their total and our livelihoods. They need to make a living. Um so that, that just can't happen because they need to work on a friday um and not sometimes
0: as the number one audio company iheartmedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheartmedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
2: it was a Saturday morning as well. That happens, so you can't just put these in a bubble, or we wouldn't be having this conversation now because they've been in a bubble and everything would have been sorted. But I don't know. Like we've got guys, you've got guys out injured. Like that affects personal life. So you're sort sure of like, God, I got injured for literally nothing in the sense that, like, you just no win, no loss this year. Um, it's it is just disappointing, it really is. You're sort of sitting in a loop period um and just twiddling your thumbs, waiting for, for that update the other day before the SFA update, it was like there is no update. Like that sort of just sums everything up. That was the biggest load of nonsense that I have ever read. Like, just didn't release anything? Eh? Like it is an absolute joke. Only only the SFA could could literally muck it up as much as they have.
1: I mean, it's, it's such a an awkward position to find yourselves in. You've now got the Premier Trophy. I, I say trophy, like it's the Premier Cup trophy in Scotland in a sort of farcical position where there could be a lot of teams just giving a buy-in to the next round because of who they were supposed to be playing. Um, I, I think Celtic's next dies against Falkirk or Arbroath. Both mm-hmm. league one sides. Uh, sorry, no, Arbroath are in the, the top league. So does that mean that um Arbroath just automatically get through and that's it, Celtic player growth. Um Rangers, I think, are up against Cove Rangers. Um again, a League One side, just automatically straight through. I just I don't think if you've got to the point where twelve or thirteen of the teams that's still in the, the tournament can't play, then just leave it. Just leave the tournament. What is to what's to be lost? We don't have a sponsor. Okay, we have television rights. Um, but I'm sure that could be renegotiated into the next year's contract. If it's at the situation where we can't actually hold the the kind of reputation of this tournament up to the level that it should be at, because we can't ask teams to play. We're asking them to step aside so we can move on with it. That just seems like a complete PR disaster for me.
2: It a PR disaster, like I see. The biggest thing and I keep going back to it is communication. Um like, you just kind of, like, it comes out and says that. So, this is before I've heard anything today about League One and League Two not want to continue. So, in that sort of statement, announcement that League Two and League One were resuming, oh, and the Highland League clubs that are in the Scottish Cup can start training again. <laughs> like, what? That just was, that is it's just total and utter PR stunt. Like you say, to keep the Scottish Cup going, to keep people happy, whoever these people are. Well, so, oh, you can train to. Play, I don't, don't Highland clubs I don't know even who's in, that's, that's um, is it Brora, are they still kicking about? Or?
1: So we've got, we've got Bucky, Nairn, Fort Martin, Keith and Huntley, they're all still in this.
2: They're still, still in, there you go, so yeah. they're all still in, um, so I, you can train a, I don't even know who they're playing so you can train X, Y and Z to be, probably get beat by a Premiership side or whatever, but to play, to try and win promotion, to win your league, nah, you can't train. Like, that is just total and utter disaster. You can't, it's like saying to a bear and like, oh, you can go out and play with that pill, but you can't go out and play with that pill. Like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. Um, So it's just keeping the boys in the suits happy.
1: Do you think that potentially this um, move from the League 1 and League 2 teams to say that basically, well, we can't afford the testing, so we just want to null and void it? is a move to try and get additional funding from the SFA or or maybe from the the Scottish government that will allow the players to play. I mean, there's talks that this testing could cost from now till the rest of the season an additional £30,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for some League 1 and League 2 teams, that's maybe 30-40% of their playing budget for the season.
2: It is a lot of money. I honestly I don't I don't know because you don't know the ins and outs of these things. Like I say, but this discussion shouldn't even be happening. The SAV can even be coming out and saying you can resume, but they don't want to resume. That there has to be conversations going on behind saying, Right, we're gonna say you are gonna resume and then the flies come out and go, Well, we actually don't want to. Um this is just a disaster. It's like a game of two and throw. I don't know. Um, like you say, I, d- I don't know the reasons why they don't want to resume. And, well, obviously it's because of the testing, but are they not getting, I don't know, where the grant money's going. The, the grant's a whole different kettle of fish. That's just been an absolute joke. Um, I don't know. It is just a mess. It's an absolute disaster. I can see the fact I go to sleep last night thinking League One and League Two and back and now you are getting told that nah, they don't actually want to be back what a mess
1: it's something that we're probably going to have to discuss again on here um, once we find out what the actual outcome is again it's, it's just like Barcelona it's another drama that seems to be getting prolonged as the season continues and um, it's probably three or four times now we've brought this up in the Insomniac and there's still no outcome to it a lot of people coming in with their suggestions saying perhaps they kick out the lower league teams maybe that they have to the bubble that we've, we spoke about before but there doesn't seem to be a scenario that suits everyone unless you can get all the teams back playing football. Um, and the way that the finances are in Scottish football, at the minute that doesn't seem possible. Maybe there will be a, a additional benefactor like there was in the summer that comes forward to offer the money for the testing. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So, lower leagues, Barcelona... It only makes sense for us to move on to the the topic everybody comes in to watch. This is the one where we get to know more about our guest. Um, And today I'm joined by um, the host of the Soccer Supernova podcast, Amy Canavan. It is the Dream Football Dinner Party. Um, Now, both of us know, in Scotland, you don't call it a dinner party, but we open up to everybody. This is a kind of a, a more upper echelon thing of having a dinner party. We'd call it a gaff, we'd call it an empty. What would you call it through the East Coast?
2: Just a gaff, probably. A Gaff's where we're at.
1: Oh, so, you're having a gaff, um, but in this gaff there's four people from the world of football, dead or alive. We've managed to bring them back for 24 hours, a bit like um, in Cinderella when the clock strikes 12. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> they, they go back again. Um but they're coming over to your house. They're coming over to the Canavan household. First of all, what are you cooking? This is the bit that you've left us all in suspense for.
2: <laughs> so I'm not cooking. I am a student for starters. I do not cook. I am. I. I also. I have. I am the fussiest eater you will ever come across. So I am not cooking. So my dad will be cooking. I am, he doesn't know that, but he will be. But I'll make it up to him. Um, one of the guests. I'll make sure that he. Um, it's a connection to him but I, I wouldn't be cooking like say if I cooked it'd be toast um I <laughs> and even my toast isn't that good. my pals make fun of me because my toast is all that pale I don't like it that burnt um bye so I'd be making toast but no he can um he can ruffle something up in the kitchen he's not too bad so I think fajitas are his thing I do like them but if it kept the guests happy then I'm more than happy with that. So I'd probably go with be Chicken Fajitas Aye.
1: Chicken fajitas. I wonder if that will have a say on who will be coming into um, your house for the, the dinner party, for the gaff. Who's the first person at the door with a bottle of wine?
2: So with a bottle of wine, um the first guest I I'll, I'll have my own first guest. I'd go with Joe Wedley. What a shock. <laughs> Um, okay. Joe like oh, when I grew growing up he was just my total and utter um, idol I just I think I was just at that age that I got into football quite young um, in the sense that like I would like I watched your Nakamura's and all that at Celtic um, and all of that so Ledley wasn't like the first player that like I sort of seen but he's the first player I, I totally and utterly fell in love with um, everything about him um, I think I think I'm right in saying that his last goal was against Parthic Thistle like at New Year for Celtic and I was there and the goal was just dedicated to me like I know it was I just know it was you can see different but I know it was to me um, and he only scored because I was there but I just honestly like I said I had a wee, um, a wee picture of him in my room and it was on my wall for a wee while but I was just totally and I loved him I loved him in that midfield as well Um like different partnerships with Wanyama, with Key, with Brown. Um, I just loved everything about him. And I think he went really underrated um, during his time at Celtic. I think he'd done a lot of work that sort of just went unnoticed because there was other big names. There was your Gary Hoopers on the side, um, a very young James Forrest, Mm -hmm. um, like say, Scott Brown at that time, Chris Commons. There was just a lot of good players on that side. Um, You look at even the back. But uh, Joel Lidley for me was just like totally and utterly, that is the first player that I think I cried at when he left. Like it was, it was one of those moments. That it was a proper dagger to my heart. Like it really was. Then the beard came along. That was a further dagger to my heart. Um, but aye, Joe Ledley was just, um, I was just the be all and end all for me. It really was.
1: You weren't one of the ones that fell for the the Joe Ledley Twitter scam at the minute, you? No,
2: it, no, I... no. Because I just I knew I was. I knew he was better than that. I did. <laughs>
1: Uh, for anyone that's not seen it, basically Joe Ledley's Twitter account was hacked for about I don't know six weeks. It seemed to go on for <laughs> forever. He was offering uh, cheap PS fives. He was offering. Uh, he was offering so much information that was apparently coming from Joe Ledley. And even when Joe Le- Joe Ledley was on Soccer AM, the guy was still tweeting out. So he clearly wasn't keeping up with what Joe was doing. Um, but yeah, Joe Ledley first went into your household, obviously a, an idol of yours, someone that you admired greatly, growing up. Is it maybe i just someone... sit
2: there like, with big beady eyes, I would just love that! Um, sorry, what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say, maybe this next person's here for your dad then? Guest number two? All oh,
2: right, we can go to that aye, so for my dad, um, aye, if he's cooking I may as well bring somebody along and keep him happy. Um, it's Kenny Douglas. My dad, I um, so he, he was totally and utterly infatuated by, by Kenny. Um, he obviously went down to Liverpool and that's sort of where the connections came around it. Keep a wee eye on Liverpool and so does he. But um, for him, Kenny, Kenny was just the man. Um, I've watched all, all the documentaries out there, every single video about him. Um, I really have. I can actually hear him in the kitchen right now. Obviously, he's cooking the dinner. Um can stop running that tap. I am... He's obviously not watching me, that's great. Um, But I I might take Kenny out if he's not even paying attention to me stuff on, i will bring in somebody else, I won't. Aye, but I'd still go for Kenny for my dad. Um, absolutely. It was just, I he's the screensaver on his phone, which says a lot. Like, he's got two kids and Kenny Douglas, is still the screensaver on his phone. So, um, that sort of shows the pedestal that my dad's got him on. But <laughs> I can't really begrudge him at that. He's done great things for South and Liverpool, and he's a total great. So, I wouldn't mind having Kenny along as well. So
1: I think one of the things that, um, kind of epitomises the man that Kenny Dalglish is, is the way that he um, reacted after the Hillsborough disaster, the way that he was there to support the families that had lost people, um, and his actions on the day and ever since being such a, uh a, a kind of, <laughs> a, a staunch supporter of the the justice for the ninety six movement, um, and a fantastic a man. He's he's done so much in his career. He's he's had so many. Um, things that have happened to him personally as well and he's always come out with that smile on his face, a fantastic man and uh, I can see why your dad admires him so much, uh, maybe not enough to have um, yourself and your brother <laughs> not on his phone but uh, I mean uh, yeah, I, I get that <laughs> I get that um, so Joe Ledley, Kenny Deglish, who is the third person in the Caravan household?
2: The third one, I'm really keeping it, so I've got it I'm sorry I haven't realised that but I don't really care. I um, betty old, um, so betty old. I've got a great story about betty old. Me and um, me, <laughs> I was eleven. So we were on a family holiday. Um, like I am like I was eleven, and we were out in Tenerife or something. Uh, I were out in Tenerife, um, and anyone who's been out there knows the the hoop bar. Stevie's an absolute legend out there, and you have a great time. Um, so I we were out there, and my mum, being my mum, she'd bump. She recognised this guy, and she's like. I really recognise him. This, like we're out in Tenerife. And my mum's mm-hmm. still like, Nah, I really recognise this guy. So she sends my dad to go Excuse me, are you are you fit And he's like, I actually am. Turns out this guy, my mum, lived like in the same street growing up. Um, and like it was crazy. he moved out to Tenerife and all that jazz. Like, you go to Tenerife and you have to find somebody who lives in your street growing up, eh? <laughs> like that's just the sort of like, um oh like my mum just knows everybody so we, we were pretty much going to spend every night there anyway but um, we spent a lot of time at, at the Hoops Bar um, and it was coming up, I think it was Charlie and the boys 25th anniversary and it was coming up that they were, in, they were playing um, mm-hmm. somewhere in whatever we were, Los Cristianos we were playing somewhere, so I'm 11 which means my brother's 9 or 10 um, so we really are just parents and um, and we're seeing all these posters for Charlie and the boys and they're playing like the night before we leave. So it's the Friday night. We were leaving the Saturday morning. So we were like, oh, mum and dad, like they've seen like Charlie and the boys back here. And we're like, That's pretty amazing. So we kept going back and all that and everything was great. And then I think the day, the actual Friday, mum and dad were like, oh, they're letting us go to Charlie and the boys. So we'd heard my dad go like to Charlie and the boys over the last few years and had all these great guests like Frank McAven and all that. Like I say, we went into this, Irish bar in Tenerife went upstairs I think we were sort of snuck in a little bit probably wasn't the best stunt like <laughs> I say we're nine and eleven we were kicking about with J2s and all that but Bertie Old was um was the guest so he was the their the speaker and the side guy but um so we go and then um, like I say me and my brother we're the only sort of bairns there um and we get our picture taken and Bertie just like sort of Instantly took to us, um, so we get our photos, and my dad's getting all his photos with the European Cup and all of that jazz. And then my mum gets her photo, and Bertie takes me on my mum aside and goes, "You know what? You've got two absolutely terrific children. There. You've done a really, really good job." So like, and he was just so so lovely in the way that he was like saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, you've really brought your kids up well. They're really mannerly, Burns, and whatever." Um, really well behaved because we were just sort of sitting in all night like this is amazing like 9 and 11 this is just a whole different world it's already a great holiday my mum well, does not like my mum does not shut up about that that oh, Perry all told her that her bearings are great Um, <laughs> but I, I think it just feeds a lot for the man that like just the way that he sort of kept looking over at us all night and we were just looking at him like oh, and we had them you know those playing cars that you get through the Celtic store uh, and I think mm-hmm. one of the one of the, uh, the I don't know if it's the clubs or whatever. It's all the Lisbon Lions. So we took Lisbon Lions in the great and Bertie signed our, our playing cards, um, and he just sort of sat and he spoke to us, um, and whatnot. But I like saying that to my mum, like, just totally and utterly made our day. And it was just like I say, it just speaks a lot, speaks volumes of the man. Um, and he'd bring a little bit of humour to the table as well. So, uh,
1: uh, there's so many nice things that you can say about Bertie Aldi's. Um, not just as a Celtic legend but just a legend of Scottish football the man is a, a complete gentleman any time I've um, been in his company he's always had a smile on his face he's always wanting to tell a joke um, and it's incredible still to see him kicking about at this age getting to the games and stuff like that so once we're back in the, the stadiums I'm sure we 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 10.30 he'll be one of the first ones at the turnstiles trying to get
2: absolutely to
1: So, Joe Ledley, Kenny Digglish, Betty Old, who completes the quartet at the table?
2: So, Paul McStay completes it. Again, Paul McStay is before my time, um, just a little bit. But, sort of going about where I got into football, obviously, like I say, I've got my dad and my brother, but one of the biggest influences for me was my uncle as well. Um, We used to sit up late, like, when I was a little bit younger they'd show me all these videos we'd watch this, the 6-2 game um, obviously that's not Paul McStay but and Paul McStay is totally and utterly his idol so for him I'd sneak him into the house as well I'd sneak Kevin into the house um, and he could meet Paul McStay um, like I say he's just had my uncle's just had such a great influence on everything that I've done um, he's always sort of there um, so for him I would, I would bring Paul McStay and like I say I would sneak him in as well not to rub it in his face that I was I'd, I'd be sitting <laughs> with Paul McStay I'd sneak him in he's a first eater as well so we wouldn't we wouldn't be having the fajitas but we would just sit there and all so I for for my uncle it'd definitely be Paul McStay yeah
1: It's an incredible table that you've got there Joel Edley Kenny Deglish Betty Old Paul McStay um, all, having your, your dad's, all having your dad's chicken fajitas um that's certainly one that um, I think if you recorded that, the, the views on that would be uh, incredible. Just a, a comment coming in here. You'd need to invite old Chico at the Rose of King gary's Is that <laughs> something you know? Do you want to elaborate on that?
2: So uh, Chico is our chairman, Charlie Kirkwood. So Kirkie, Oz, I don't know if that's going to be. I don't know whose username that is. Um, I don't, <laughs> it could be Kyle. Um, they're all big. Chico's a big Celtic fan as well. There's not many of us kicking about in running To be fair, um, but I Charlie's um, Charlie's Celtic mad, so I he can come along. Him and my dad go way back as well, so Charlie can have a bit of the feels for sure.
1: And that kind of takes us on nice as a lovely segue into the kind of final topic of the show today, um, and that is the fact that we have you on the show. Um, a lot of people have seen you for the first time in the last sort of couple of months. Um, on a state of mind on the the Celtic state of mind and now your own show the Soccer Supernova but you've been doing a lot of work um, for Bonnie Rigg Rose now for a number of years Um, where where did it all start for you when did it come to the point where you thought I want to get into journalism and particularly into football
2: so that goes way back I was in primary and I was playing football and I was playing basketball, sort of doing everything. Um, I really was. And like I say, I'd grew up and I, I can always sort of remember sitting watching Sky or probably Satanta back in the day and I used to like you know like up in the top corner where it says like the yep. teams and I remember I used to just like, have a little competition with myself and I'd be going to like write EVE and trying to learn that that's ever and all of that so that's where it really went back like I say not just my dad and my brother but like my family is football mad I think everybody sort of comes into my house and like my mum sort of has that recurring saying that the only channel that's on is going to be Sky Sports like it's crazy in this house like we will literally watch anything even cricket even cricket Um so I, it goes way back and I've got I've got three uncles and my grand lives in this massive beautiful park um, and we used to just go out and play football all the time me and my brother we're the only sort of like the young Burns, so we would go out and we'd be playing with my uncles so football has just always been there Um it really has. And then I was playing football at school. I was captain of the girls team and everything like that. And I think I was i was always sort of good at my English as well. I remember just that like, my mum worked at the school and a teacher went, you know, she's really maybe going to sports journalism. Sort of, she's like, you could, you could combine her two sort of love. So I went into high school sort of going, yep, I'm going to be a sports journalist. Now, it's crazy like at high school that you're literally 12 and they're wanting you to, to plan out your career. Um, so I'd sort of always had that in the in the back burner but then you always, it comes comes and goes and you're like oh no I want to do something else just because it sort of got monotonous thinking that that's always what I wanted to do um, but I had great teachers at school as well um, there's a few that just really were like no this really is something that you need to go into because then unsurprisingly that sort of doubt comes in oh, you don't really see female journalists, sports journalists so we're like oh Kelly Hates is out there but um, and obviously, there's, there's more and more now. But at that time, you're just sort of thinking, is that really an industry that I want to go into? Is it one that I'll get into? Um, is it one I'll be successful in? So all of that comes and goes. But like I say, I had really good teachers um, who kept, kept me on the straight and narrow, applied for uni, I applied for a few places, um, Stirling, um, two courses at Stirling, Edinburgh, Napier for, for journalism. And then I was actually thinking about doing history at um, Edinburgh and at Dundee as well. Stuck with journalism. Um, stuck with Napier purely so I could stay at home. Surum is the plan. Surum is the plan. If you look at Surum with the whole the the sports facilities there, I was like, the this is where is I want to go. Yeah, the campus yeah. is unreal. But I went with my mum on the tour, and I hated the accommodation. Now I am no snob. I am really no snob. But I was like, I can't live here. I can't like princess can't live here. But um, I I just I just did not take to it at all. So. I went to Napier. I am, I'm in third year now. So I just doing journalism. It's typical. Last year we were doing sports journalism module. gets cut off because of COVID. So that's just typical. But um, we're really lucky at Napier. It's, um, like I said, I touched on that earlier, but Energy Sports, our website, ironically, which I've just never really wrote for because I'm I'm big shot, so I don't need to write but I appear on the podcast because its I don't mind talking but writing I'm bored of that now but um, I, it's a great website there so I'd strongly again, I want to check that out Energy Sport um, they're sort of kicking about all the grounds as well so you'll see a few of the guys um, but there's a really solid base there um, and it's an award winning website so there's some really really good content and it's a really good place to be um, and to sort of like improve so I, I, like I say, I never actually have wrote for for the website. So the egg came around last year, this time last year, actually. Um, So there's a guy called Stephen Watson. (laughs) I see that comment, Jack. That is the editor of Energy Sport. Um, So... Um, I it, there was a um, there was a tweet went out. I think maybe Jack commented on it, um, and it was Stephen Watson who does a lot of PR stuff, and he put out that the Bernard Rose were looking for, to to build a media team, sort of thing. Um, so I think it's all the, those ones that it's like it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's so one of the guys mm-hmm. commented on it, um, and then I just sort of went from there. I think I maybe seen Sean McGill, who I do it with. Um, I think maybe seeing him comment or it was Jack Donnelly there. And I was like, oh, fancy a wee bash of this. So I applied um, and then it took a long time to hear back. Like I remember like I was literally checking my emails every two minutes. It was proper, proper obsessive because this is, well, I was like, this is like a really good opportunity. It's two minutes up the road. It's my dad's club growing up. Um, It just seemed to be a really good, really good, a really good fit. So then it came to June. um, I got it, um, Kyle's middle name is Douglas there you go um, and we got it aye in the June so like I said the the season had been cut off we've since found out obviously the media team sort of came along to to try and improve fan connection when the fans weren't in so there's three of us that do it there there's myself Sean McGill and Jake Gray and we're all just shooting at Sydney Napier so it's a great um, building blocks. So it really is it's mm-hmm. great foundations and obviously from there is actually where I got um, on it a self state of mind I think Simi is a a goalkeeping coach down at Haddington. So I think he'd seen some of the stuff that I've been doing through Bonner, I'd like seen my name pop up. Um and then my pinned tweet is a tweet about Stevie Chalmers. And I was just speaking to Simi last week or the week before about this and he's like, I seen you. He's like, I went into your profile and I seen your pinned tweet and he's like, Paul, Paul, I think she's a Celtic fan Um I and that's sort of where it all it all kicked off from. So I still at uni, um like I say, three and a bit years in now, so just see it these last few weeks, and then it'll just be dissertation and fourth year, um, and then like say I've got a show going on, got a Celtic State of Mind as well, so uh, it's busy, busy, and it's um, I'm born and Bonner grows, of course, whenever that sort of returns, but um, I couldn't really, couldn't really ask for a lot more right now. It's going all, all pretty well.
1: Yeah, so you just mentioned your show there, and it's um, for anyone that's not seen it on a, a State of Mind, it's called the Soccer Supernova, and it launched not Sunday there but the Sunday before and your yeah. first guest on it was uh, former Celtic general manager Jock Brown and it ended up going pretty viral I'd say it was in some of the, the major Final. media outlets as well. Um, what was that like for you hosting your own show for the first time?
2: Um, I was I, I was really nervous, I, I was going to use a phrase and I just thought my gran could be watching but Aye, so I was um, I was very nervous. I think the first show I actually done was the one that went out on Sunday was David Duke. Um, so hopefully in a few weeks, so the more that come out, um, I'll gradually get a little bit less nervous. But aye, it was just everything just sort of happened so quickly. Like Paul messaged me on a Thursday before um, saying I've got this idea, this plan, I'd like you to host and all that jazz. I'm buzzing at it. I really am. I think I think the day that Paul asked me had been three years since I had my interview for uni. So I was like, God, then it took a wee while to sit back and go, my God, I'm actually like, I am doing all right. Just sort of chill. I am one of those people that, so you know that already that I I don't, I just thought I'm always sort of worrying about like, you see comments and that. And I think it was sort of that realization that no, Amy, just chill. You're actually doing all right. You're sort of on course. Um, And you're actually maybe doing a wee bit above kind of what you expected you'd be doing. So, I it sorta of came along at the um the one time. So I think I the Thursday and then i sort of like was telling you, telling my pals, um or just I think even just my really, really close pals, like maybe even just my best friend. But Everything was sort of kept under wraps. And then the following Thursday, I actually think I had my first interview with David Duke. So, like, everything was just, like, the title of the show, I think the night before I asked, I was like, Paul, is there isn't even a title for this. And everything was just so, so quick. In a way, I think it went better because I never had a, any sort of time to, like, I am quite pessimistic in the sense that I'd be like, oh, no, can't do this. Like, my God, you should have seen the tears and tantrums about that first show going out. Like, I was I was at work. So I made it really hard. Um because It goes out Sunday at eight, but um, I work at um, I still work so uh, I am in Tesco's uh, as the show's going out. So I'm like literally with my best friend, leave, and I'm going, I'm literally I'm, like, crying in the bathroom, crying this. I'm like, I don't want it to go, can't have all of this jazz. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm very, very nervous about it all, but like you say, that it, it went down fairly well the reception was i couldn't really ask for anything else because i think everyone sort of got their preconceptions they dropped down as well um i think what makes it a little bit tricky is obviously it was before my time in that sense so i had to do a lot of extensive research like I, just because i wanted to get everything right mm-hmm. um yeah. but i it's went down well and i like you see five thousand odd views so it's not too bad is it
1: uh, just uh, just putting that one out there Thank <laughs> you, uh, and claiming I know, I uh, wish I
2: should have checked it before to get it more accurate, damn it
1: <laughs> So, I mean, just before we wrap up then, what is your kind of goals for the future? What are you aiming to do? Um, obviously um, we had Alison Conroy on last week and she was, I can ask the question for you you'd asked me to ask her um, best <laughs> kind of approach to getting into journalism, how you can start off and obviously she's gone went through the same process you're going through right now so um, having had that experience now what what is your goals for the future what is the kind of targets for you going forward
2: it's a really hard one I think um, I think even Paul maybe asked me this last week, maybe in preparation for this and I never really took it on board but I really, like in all honesty I don't know, um, you ask me I don't know even two years ago and I'd still be saying oh, Sky Sports is where I want to be I want to be Sky Sports journalist doing this breaking this news, breaking that I think fundamentally that probably still is the aim, um, because it's, it is quite conflicting in the sense that at uni, obviously we're getting, we sort of get like plunged along the tangent that there's a difference between you know what I mean, hard hitting journalism and and I'm not saying because the Celtic state of mind is not a blog. This is proper intellectual contributors here, but there's sort of they really like to sort of divide the fan media and then actual media but right now like we know ourselves how much the mainstream media are, are are going to to fan media look how often Paul's on Sky and Natasha's on Sky it's the way to go because it's the way that you pull in viewers because that is where fans want to hear their information from now what's important in hearing from the mainstream media when you like do you really want to, uh, the, the prime example is do you want to be watching Sky Sports halftime analysis, or do you want to be watching a Celtic state of Minds? Now I know where I watch, and it's not Chris Boyd. Um, so it's just one of those ones that I don't actually know. Like I think I'm in a quite a privileged position right now in the sense that I'm comfortable enough where I am, um, Everything's sort of going as well as it could be, and I'll, I'm liking what I'm doing. Because at the end of the day, I'm still I'm still just a student, um, and where that leads me is a totally different, a different avenue. So come back to me maybe next year when the show's maybe <laughs> um, been kicking around for a while but right now I'm more than happy where I'm going and um, I who stops at presenting? I'm just going to run Sky Sports
1: <laughs> Aim for the aim for the stars and if you hit the I'm you have as well um, Joseph McWhorne coming in, sorry McWhorne <laughs> coming in saying no need to be nervous Amy, doing a grand job and I think I'll send him a tenner yeah, exactly. That's a, It's going to cost you a lot of money. I say, I say £20 <laughs> everybody comes on and says they enjoyed being on the show. Um,
2: I enjoyed yeah. being on the show. <laughs> we,
1: didn't, we didn't say that out beforehand. So you know. <laughs> um, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, the Football Insomniac today. Um, we've covered so many topics and again, just want to pass our best wishes on to Fulham midfielder Kevin MacDonald as he undergoes his uh, surgery on a replacement kidney. and. I mean, it's been a fantastic hour, it's just been over an hour now. So, a big thank you to everyone who has watched us on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter for all the comments that's coming in, even the guys from the, the rig um, that have been in to wind up Amy. The Rose. The Rose, is it the Rose? Sorry, the Rose. The Rose. Yeah. The Rig. God, it's Colin. So Sorry, content. I need to, I need to uh, brush up on my local league knowledge. Um, but just a final point here from Highland Paddy too. Are these two on again at 12.30? Yes, we are. Myself and Amy will be hosting. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Highland, you can let us know. But we will be hosting the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin live at 12.30. Um, so we'll give you guys 20 minutes peace before you see us back on your screens. But I, Can I Amy, go
2: have a cup of tea first? Yeah,
1: you can go and have a cup of tea. Yeah, grab nice. yourself a sandwich, do whatever. There's going to be a nice. chilled out bulletin at half twelve. Um, <laughs> Needed. But till then and until next week, I will be joined by BT Sports commentator Rory Hamilton. I'm excited to have him on the show. And
2: you the, can't go the, for me, me, Rory Hamilton. Are you joking? It's
1: the same level. Surely not. That is
2: that's twenty quid.
1: Me now. That that's 20 really is. you mean it? And then the following week is St. Patrick's Day and we have a special Irish guest lined up for St. Patrick's Day as well, so look forward to to bringing that one to you. But uh, a big thank you to everyone who has been watching so far today. Please do like, share and subscribe to A State of Mind. Share the podcast with your friends. Let's continue to let this one grow. Um, And until 12.30 if you're coming back to watch us on The Celtic State of Mind, then we'll see you then. But if not, I will see you all next Wednesday.
0: Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Fast Twitch, the new energy drink from Gatorade, is here, and it's powering fast starts for athletes in every arena, like NBA All-Star Zion Williamson, WNBA champ Kalia Copper, and MLB superstar Francisco Lindor, with 200 milligrams of caffeine, electrolytes, and zero sugar. Fast Twitch is the new go-to for on-the-go energy anytime you need to turn up the intensity. Available in six refreshing Gatorade-inspired flavors, grab Fast Twitch in the energy drink aisle at a store near you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.